back to the Play On Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Davros. Today we'll be speaking with Devery North, Miriam Michaels, and Elizabeth Marquis, who've been working behind the scenes of our Shakespeare in the Schools tour as the technical and support staff. Devery North was the company manager for this year's tour. Devery is a Kansas City native and a graduate of Stevens College. She's previously worked with the Utah Shakespeare Festival during the 2015 season and for our 2016 Shakespeare in the Schools tour of Hamlet as the tour company manager. She's also worked at Theater by the Sea. Miriam Michaels was the stage manager for the tour. Miriam's worked for the festival last fall in Julius Caesar and Odd Couple. She has also worked as a stage manager at Milwaukee Repertory Theater and the Nylon Fusion Theater Company in New York City. Elizabeth Marquis worked as the technical director for the tour. Liz has also worked as the master electrician automation engineer at Gateway Playhouse and Haunted Playhouse in Long Island. She's also worked for the Sarasota Opera and has previously and is working again for us here at the Utah Shakespeare Festival. Welcome, Devery, Miriam, and Liz to the Play On Podcast. Thank you for being here. Uh, this is an exciting time to record this podcast because you are literally here on strike day. This tour has been out on the road. You have struck everything in an hour and a half. Well done. Um, and you're getting ready to uh, to put a button on the tour and move on to other things. But before you do, we're so glad that you could join us and we can talk about the tour from your end uh, as it's as it's just finished. So uh, to get started, if you don't mind, we'll just start over with start with you, Devery. Give us a little bit of information about yourself and what you did for the tour. Yeah. Hi, my name is Devery North. I'm originally from Kansas City, and I was the company manager for the tour. So my job is basically to make sure that we get to every venue and that we have a place to sleep that night. Uh, so. Awesome. Really great. <laughs> Hi, I'm Miriam Michaels. I was the stage manager on the tour. Um, I took care of the actors in the stage, as Dev always says <laughs> in our talkbacks. Um, during the rehearsal process, it was much more of a traditional stage management job. And then once we got on the road, it was a little bit more all-encompassing since we also uh, do the load-in. So Liz and I kind of tag-teamed parts of that um, with her in charge of the whole thing. Yeah. Cool. I'm Liz. I was the technical director for the tour, and as Dev likes to say, I take care of the lights, the set, the costumes, and all that great stuff. <laughs> <laughs> all that great stuff. That excellent. Great. I hope that's not a euphemism, but even if it is. <laughs> uh, excellent. So, uh, final count, how many performances? Good old 73. 73 performances. Four or five states? What was the final state count this year? It was more than that. Six. Six, six states. I think you may have just been a record-breaking state visit for the tour. Very cool. Uh, and uh, students all over. Uh, let's see. if we, Let's name the six. Uh, Utah, Nevada, Arizona, Colorado, mm -hmm. Wyoming. Wyoming. And Idaho. Idaho. Excellent. There it is. Very cool. Uh, so... Kind of jumping right off, uh, Deb, this is how many times have you been? This is your second or third tour? Yeah, this is my second tour. Second I tour? did Hamlet last year. And Miriam, have you toured before? No, this is my first. And Liz, this is your This is my second, second. tour. So uh, then let's start with you, Miriam. Given that, that the other two have done other tours and we can talk comparatively for a minute, uh, talk about what it was like prepping a show here and then getting out on the road and going to so many different kinds of venues and just... 70, over 70 performances is a lot. Talk to us about how you kind of wrapped your head around that. Um, so at first, I will say it was quite difficult moving into new spaces that we didn't have uh, experience in. So we had shorter, we had like parts of our set that could get shorter and parts that were taller and we could like remove one of the trees. We had three trees. And so we'd rehearsed some of that, but we never had time to rehearse all of the different iterations that we actually ended up doing. So the first, I don't know, month or so of shows were a lot of like, okay, now we have 
uh, three short trees. We've never done the show with three short trees before. What kind of blocking changes do we need to make? How do we make all of that happen? Um, and then we've never done two tall trees before. How do we do that? <laughs> um, and uh, we had to do spaces that were too small for us. Um, we had to do spaces that were really large and overly large for us. Um, and we never had a rehearsal that was gym-like. When we were here doing our small space rehearsal, it was still in a theater and it was still that kind of atmosphere. Um, cafeterias were new. But after the first month or so, it got a lot easier because we'd done at least most of those iterations and we were a lot more practiced at uh, getting the show where it needed to be day to day based on all of the changes that need to be made. The actors got a lot more flexible, which was really helpful because at first I think they were all scared. I was certainly nervous to completely change some of the blocking to deal with whatever spaces we were in. And then we learned like if we're in more of a thrust space, these are the changes we have to make. If we're way farther back from the audience, these are the kinds of things that we have to be aware of. Do you think, so from your perspective, watching the show so many times and being sort of in charge of all of those artistic changes to the show. What does it do to a performance once actors are comfortable with the idea of making those subtle changes and sort of adapting a show to a space? Did, did it, did you, how did it affect the show for you watching? Uh, for me watching, I don't think it had affected it greatly. Oh, slowly over the course of things, as they got more and more comfortable with the show, smaller things started to change in their blocking, which is kind of natural for a show of this length of run. Uh -huh. Um, if we're not keeping to a very strict standard, which in this tour, I don't think we needed to. Um, we don't have like corporate directors coming in every three days to make sure we're doing this yeah, the exact choreography same. every time. Like we don't need to be that strict about it. So like allowing a little bit of breathing room certainly makes the actors happier and keeps the show a lot fresher for them. Um, but so it would be those kinds of things where like, oh, he's never fallen down there before, but he really liked it today and I don't think it disrupted anything, so let's keep it there. Or this moment got, um, this time Bottom's gonna grab Titania when he says this line. Um, and it got a great laugh, so why not keep it? Um, and something that actually I was always trying to keep track of was the pacing of the show because we try to keep it to a pretty strict 75 minutes. Mm -hmm. And some days it would be like a very comfy 73 and sometimes we'd be edging on 80. And when <laughs> if it, it would be the combination of things like the students arrived late and then we had a five minute longer show than we were supposed to and then we didn't have a talk back. Um, so that was something I was trying to keep an eye on more than the blocking and or like the intention of the lines or things like that. So one follow-up, then we can talk about a few other things related to these spaces with the other two, is um, how much... So obviously the show changes depending on the venue it's in, but and for most of us seeing a piece of theater, and even people out on the road, they saw the show in the theater they were in, and that's their visual of the show. Knowing that you had Britannia sort of planning on this show being in different spaces, what was sort of the optimal size theater? Once you were now having the sort of full spectrum of venues, can you point to one space or one I was like, this is the good, this was it, this is what this show was, was for? One. I'm Which looking one? at Dev because I'm trying to remember <laughs> one where we were looking at each other being like, wow, this is a really nice size space for our show and there's the right amount of wing space. Yeah, I feel like if it's something like 30 feet deep with, um, a curtain that's far enough upstage that it can be just upstage of our sound equipment so that we can have a crossover because the show was built without a crossover. It wasn't actually necessary for uh -huh. the blocking of the show, but when we could have one, we liked to have one because sure. there were a couple entrances that just made more sense with a crossover. Um, and a house that's big enough, I feel like 500 seats is oh, wow. plenty. Yeah, it's that's something. Um, or even smaller. 
Something that's yeah. ranked too, because uh, Britannia did a lot of the blocking on the floor, which is really fun for the lovers' quarrel and the sleeping scenes. Um, but if we're in a gym or in a flat space where the audience is on the same level as the acting, it's really hard uh, for everybody to see, and you have little like prairie dogs in the back getting up on their seats <laughs> trying to see everything. So that would be ideal. Yeah, well, separation is ideal. Yeah, yeah. If the stage is higher or the audience is higher, just so that they're not on the same plane. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. So Dev, over to you. Let's. So you were in charge of getting everybody where we were going uh, mm -hmm. and uh, making sure that there is a place to stay and then sort of comfort and other things. Uh, talk about the variety of communities and schools that you uh, experienced over the course of this tour. Yeah, um, one of the really exciting places we get to go is the Navajo Reservation. Um, not only is the area around just absolutely gorgeous, but being able to serve um, people in the reservation communities. Um, a lot of those students really don't see a lot of art outside of their own culture, so to bring something like Shakespeare in is really exciting. Um, where else? Uh, we got to visit a couple of new places this year in Wyoming and in Idaho, so those are underserved areas by us at least. Um, in smaller communities too. We got to do a show up at the BYU in Idaho in Rexburg and they have a lot of theater but we got to bring in our own um, little show and things like that. Um, where else? Grand Canyon. Grand Canyon. We got to do a show inside the Grand Canyon National Park um, which is really exciting. We did two shows there this year and uh, all of the park rangers were so excited to come and see our show because uh, they were like nothing ever comes here. <laughs> ever. Uh, and it's at the beginning of The Shining if you're not it's like yeah. They need something or they're going yeah. to go crazy. Yeah, and they're like, and winter sports haven't started yet, so this is great. <laughs> so, yeah, lots of different places. Cool. Liz, uh, thank you. Liz, uh, if uh, coming to the sort of backstage uh, side of things with all these different venues, you're visiting places that see different things coming in and out a lot and other places where you might be the only thing coming <laughs> yes. in that isn't produced there. Um how do you, the only thing, period. That's produced like all, <laughs> yeah. that's produced all year. So how do you how do you I want to say manage, prepare. I'm trying to find the right word. How do you handle that in terms of like moving into this space that may or may not be ready for you? But either way, in two, two to five hours, there's a show happening. Um, so one of the things we do, the three of us, every week we have a meeting and we go over all of the venues that we're going to that week. We have a uh, file that's a huge file with all of the information from every venue the tour has ever been to ever. Um, we have pictures in a lot of those places. Um, we have information for things that they struggled with on different tours, um, things that were really great. We have all of that information, so we go over it every week and we kind of plan ahead for, okay, today's gonna be a really difficult day because of these particular challenges. The size of the stage, the wing space, the dressing rooms are three blocks down the road. You know, all sorts of weird and interesting things that might happen. We talk about that in advance. Um, and then going in, of course, we don't know everything. We wish we did. Um, but we get there and the three of us are the first ones in the space. All of the actors wait outside. The three of us go in. We figure out exactly what it is that we're working with, whether or not we can use their lighting, um, whether or not their stage is um, has masking, whether we need to put up our own masking so that you don't see the backstage area, um, where the dressing rooms are. We figure out uh, where on the stage we're going to put our set. Um, and we kind of take five to ten minutes, plan that out, and then we bring everybody in and we just adjust as necessary in every space during the duration of the load-in. Cool. So the three of you have 
what I think is a unique perspective. Talking to Britannia before the show, she's obviously had the show in her mind. She's been rehearsing it. Talking to each individual actor in groups, they have their perspective of the show on stage. You three get to see the show in its sort of whole form, and you got to see it evolve over the course of the run. Uh, so knowing that your perspective is slightly broader and higher than, than the actors we visited with, what is one of, if you could pick one particular story or uh, reaction to this play that you saw that maybe you didn't expect, that, that you got to see the show from all, basically from the kids' perspective even, uh, what were some of the reactions from community members or her students on this tour that, that have stuck out at you? Does, just, and anyone can go yeah. in any order, but... Um, one of my favorite shows we did was actually uh, one of our last shows at Monument Valley High School in Utah. We performed for a group of elementary school students from fourth to sixth grade, and they were the perfect laugh track to the show. <laughs> Really? They were. They were listening so well, and they weren't talking through the show, but they laughed at everything that they were supposed to, and not just some of the physical triggers that happened in the show, uh, but they were listening to the text, and they got the puns and things like that, and they laughed for the perfect amount of time, and then they were like quiet and ready to listen and wait for the next laugh. It was brilliant. And it was so sweet. We had a great talk back there, too. One of the students asked, like, when are you going to come back? When can we see you again? Um, so that's always really fun. It's amazing. You, I mean, I guess you expect, I don't know what I expect from high school, middle school, elementary, but fourth to sixth grade, mm -hmm. totally engaged. Totally. And it was uh, really fun doing this tour versus Hamlet because with Midsummer Night's Dream, we got to perform for more uh, younger audiences, more elementary school students. Um, and they're just so delightful because they're, just so excited to be there. And the fairies are really cool to them too, yeah. which is fun. <laughs> yeah. Miriam? I don't know if I have like a favorite audience. Um, the ones that stand out to me more are the ones who are like reacted in ways that I didn't expect. Mm -hmm. um, and especially right at the beginning, I had no idea what to expect. So when we get our first middle school audience who like whenever anyone gets like closer than a foot from each other, they're like, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, one kid does it and then the yeah, entire audience joins in and then the show is 10 minutes longer because of all the oohs. Um, yep, yep. Anytime anybody, not even kisses, just comes kind of close to it. Um, and that was a lot of middle school audiences and then like elementary schoolers who are kind of more engaged, if anything, because they're not uh, waiting for those moments of like yeah. sexual contact. Um, or performing for their peers in right, quite the same way. Right, yeah. exactly. And yeah. high schoolers kind of go back and forth. Like sometimes they'll be really good listeners and sometimes they'll be really good uh, viewers. Um, and like what we found was the kids in Monument Valley were really good listeners and they caught all of the textual jokes and a lot of the textual jokes that had honestly never gotten a reaction before, even mm -hmm. from like adult audiences. Wow. Um, and then there are students who will watch every little moment in the show because as it developed, there are little things like in the lover's quarrel, there's like a bunch of action going on and Demetrius is sitting on the floor quietly watching Helena and Puck will blow in his ear and he makes this really funny, like there's a bug in my ear reaction. Um, but I think a lot of audiences don't catch those things because they're busy watching the main action. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of that throughout the show. And so sometimes you'll have audiences who catch a lot more of that. Um, and so having those different kinds is really fun, but I don't think I have a particular favorite. Cool. Now that's, that's, that's exactly what I was looking for. Liz, <laughs> anything that jumped out at you? I think one of my favorite performances was in the Grand Canyon. Um, the Grand Canyon Public Library uh, brought us in to do the show at their venue. And uh, I think in order for them to get funding and approval to do the show again uh, in coming years, they passed out a survey 
to all of the the people who came to the community performance asking things like you know did you enjoy the performance was there anything that stuck out to you um, you know did this performance do anything for your well-being and we got a lot of really great comments um, a lot of things along the lines of it was good to laugh I enjoyed it I had fun and then there were some really really touching comments like um, you know I've been grieving lately and I really needed to laugh and I'm so appreciative that somebody came Came here and made me laugh today and things like that that was really it was really lovely to read those afterwards yeah uh, so given that the perfect segue to what the next my next question was from your perspective and to the you know to our listeners to the audiences of the Shakespeare Festival who may come in the summer and the fall and may not come any other times or know what we've got going why do you think it's important for the Shakespeare Festival to keep doing this tour from your perspectives? Um, one of the reasons I enjoy doing this tour is because if I had been able to have this experience in high school as somebody who was so totally in love with theater, it would have just um, just enthralled me more to be able to do something, and especially something so specific like Shakespeare, um, I think is really special to share, especially when it doesn't seem accessible to everyone um, because of the language, because it's so hoity-toity or because your English teacher doesn't teach it well. Um, so it's really fun for us to come in and break those stereotypes down and be able to be fun and engaging and to get students to um, relate to it. The workshops are really important um, as well. A facet of this tour, we teach Shakespeare texts, we teach stage combat, we teach improv. Um, and we can really get students out of their shell if they're not used to doing theater or we get theater kids more excited about learning more things with theater. Um, and then just communities as well. Uh, it's like Liz said, you don't know what people bring to the theater and if we can make them smile or laugh for just an evening. Um, I think that's really special and important work to be done. Cool. And just that we go so many places that aren't Cedar City or somewhere else that has a Shakespeare festival or has more uh, cultural events going on, um, going to those rural communities or smaller communities or just places that can't, or people who can't afford to go to the theater frequently, um, or kids who you don't know what their situations are, but you know that this is at their school, and so you know that they didn't have to pay $5 that they don't have for it, um, is really important. And Shakespeare, if, if anybody loves Shakespeare, then they'll know, or anybody who's even seen a good Shakespeare play should know that Shakespeare really makes you think a lot more critically and look a lot deeper into everything. Um, and that's really important to show kids, especially if they don't have opportunities elsewhere. Uh, and so that's why I think it's so important that the festival itself sends itself out into the world. Because there are a lot of people who come here, but there are also a lot of people who can't come here. Um, and that's like why I do this tour is that like, I think had I not done this tour, I probably would have done a different tour. I probably would have done something rotten mm -hmm. and traveled around to audiences who pay $60 a ticket um, to see something funny for an evening. Um, and this makes me feel like I'm actually helping people in the world and helping young people in the world who will take over the world. Um, and I think it was like Winston, some, there's some Winston Churchill quote about like, if we don't have art, then what are we defending? Yeah. What are we fighting for? Right, are we fighting for, yeah. right. Yep. So, awesome. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you did our tour. <laughs> I mean, something rotten's cool, but I'm really glad you did our tour. Liz? Um, I think Shakespeare in particular is so um, so accessible to so many different ages. It's, um, it's something that 
people can relate to from almost any background. If you're listening to it, if you're watching it, you can get something from it, even if it's just a laugh. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can always get something out of it, no matter who you are or where you came from. And I think it's it's such a it's such a great easy way for us to get out into the communities that that don't get theater, that don't get Shakespeare and show them that there are other people who care about humanity and who care about showing you humanity. Mm -hmm. And it's it's something that that students who don't necessarily get that um, in their regular daily life can connect to. It's something that people who need a break from everyday life can look at and it's it's relatable to them in some way. And I think I think that is so important to bring that into all of these places that wouldn't normally get it. Awesome. Uh, we may use that as a, that's, that's like grant quote good. Um, all of it really. Um, uh, so thank you so much for being here today. I have one last question, not knowing the answer myself. Um, no, but, uh, the festivals, you know, you're, you've been here, here at the festival, whether or not you've been here in Cedar city for the past few months, what's next for each of you? Where are you headed? Is it, is there work? Is there vacation? Is there fun time? What, where are you headed next? Yeah, I'm uh, headed back home to Kansas City. I'm working with the Heart of America Shakespeare Festival this summer as um, an education intern. Uh, so they're doing Hamlet, which I've done on tour, and they're doing Midsummer, which I've done on tour. Uh, so I'm really excited to keep working on those shows in that capacity. Awesome. I have a bunch of stuff coming up. Um, right after this, I go home for like five days, and then I'm going to Charleston to work at the Spoleto Festival USA. Cool. I'm going to be a master electrician at the Dock Street Theater, one of the oldest proscenium theaters in America. Um, after that, I'm working at an opera company in western New York called Chautauqua Opera. And then after that, I come here to do the tavern as an ASM, and I'm very excited about it. Awesome. That's, <laughs> that's a busy couple of months. Holy cow. Liz? I head home for a couple of days, and then I'm taking a vacation far away from everyone and everything for a couple of days. Um, and then I will be here at the Utah Shakespeare Festival. I will be the master electrician in the Ains Theater this summer until the opening of the fall season. Awesome. Well, I can't imagine why the three of you would be looking for opportunities to like spend time by yourselves <laughs> after spending eight weeks in a van, in vans with uh, other theater artists um but we are so grateful that you did and spent some of your time with us we look we're you know good luck and congratulations on your future endeavors and thank you for bringing uh wonderful art to the six states you visited on behalf of the utah shakespeare festival yeah thanks thank ladies you. thank you thank you Thank you for listening to another episode of the Play On Podcast. Be sure to go back and listen to past interviews on the festival webpage. Check out the latest episode released every other Friday with your favorite directors, actors, and designers from our 2017 season.